We realized last week that we died, we were adopted, and we were new. Y'all remember that, right? Okay, so we'll be able to go on today, and um, we'll find out now that we've had all those things happen in our life, what happens now? Right? What happens now? So, let's start with 1 Peter 3 and see if we can get an idea of what happens now. Glory to God. 1 Peter 3, verse 18, NIV. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous. Now, sometimes when you're reading the word, I'll teach you a little trick I have. Maybe it'll help you. You know, sometimes it's more difficult to understand some of these translations than it is others. And so sometimes I look for little ways to really understand things. But look at it if you read it like this. Christ died for the sins of all. Skip that little middle part there. The righteous for the unrighteous. Just skip that part. Christ died for the sins of all to bring you to God. Do you understand that? That makes it clear, doesn't it? Christ died for the sins once for all to bring you to God. See, I think sometimes... We always have had a a human nature, human nature. The tendency is to always think of the bad side. Christ died so that we don't have to go to hell. You hear that way, way, way more than you hear Christ died so that you could go be with God. Don't you hear that way more often? You hear Christ died or Jesus died so you don't have to go to hell. Right? But Christ died so that he could gather us all up and take us to Jesus. Not just so we could miss hell. There's a difference in just missing hell. You could stay down here on the earth forever. God could have planned it different. You understand that? And never get to see those streets of gold. I don't know about you, but I want to see them. And I want to see that gate with one pearl in it. Do you understand that? I mean, there's a difference between just not going to hell and going to heaven and seeing God. So when you're telling people about that, why Christ died, don't just say to save you from going to hell. We need to change our nature. The Bible says tell people the good news. The good news is you get to go to heaven. That's good news. You get to go to heaven. That's like going to the best place on the whole earth. Ladies, that's like going to the best shopping center in the world. Guys, that's like getting the best new bass boat and going fishing for a week. Or whatever you like to do, playing golf or whatever it is you like to do, magnified a million times over. You get to do that. You get to go be with God. So let's keep going. That wasn't even what I was thinking about doing. But anyway, he was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. Okay, verse 21. 
Look at the screen if you need to, because this is the NIV. This water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but, say but, but. the pledge of a good conscience toward God. So that you could have a good, clear conscience toward God. That's what it was about. So that we could have a clear conscience toward God. Not to remove the dirt from our bodies. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Who has gone into heaven is at God's right hand with the angels, authorities and powers in submission to him. Therefore... Say, therefore. therefore. Therefore means something else is coming. This is chapter 4. We didn't. We, it doesn't have to be divided into chapter and verse. They just did that so that we could read it that way. This is just continuing on. It's therefore is talking about what went before it, right? My English major stuff is not coming in, but that's still right. Okay? Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body... Arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. He who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires. He does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. The title of my message this morning is Faith, Not Judgment. You'll understand it more as we go along. Faith, Not Judgment. Our faith is easier than judgment. Okay, so the next verse, verse three, look at the screen if you don't have an NIV Bible. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what the pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, the indulgences of sensual pleasures, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousings, and detestable idolatry. You spent enough time on that already. They think it is strange that you do not plunge into them with them in the same flood of dissipation and um, so they heap abuse on you. Dissipation means a descent into drunkenness, sexual immorality, squandering of money, energy, or resources. See how quiet it's getting in here? But they will have to listen to this verse. Now, he's been talking about judging. We've been talking about judging. Listen to this verse. It's all going to go together for you now. They will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. These people that are continuing to do that and are encouraging you to do that are going to have to be what? Judged. Now, we're trying to get away from being judged, right? That's what we've been talking about. We don't want to be judged. We've been baptized. We're clean now. If we get judged, we want to be judged for doing good, the right thing. 
We've spent enough time in the past part of our lives doing what the world does. We don't want to live that way anymore. We don't want to be judged with the world. We want to be judged with God. We want to be judged with the things of God. We want to put that old past way behind us and turn and put on our new life. Do you understand that? Okay. Let me read it to you from the Message Bible. You're going to enjoy this, so go ahead and put it up on the screens, guys. Oh, it's good. Don't get concerned. You're going to enjoy this today so much. Don't get concerned. I'm telling you, it's going to be good. The Message Bible says this. Since, you know, you know, Jesus and God don't condemn you. They never condemned you. So if you're feeling condemnation right now or you're feeling fear or you're feeling like you're going to have to do something you don't want to do, that ain't God. So just relax. Go. (sighs) Okay, there you go. All right. This is the Message Bible. Since Jesus went through everything you're going through and more, learn to think like him. Okay, now this next part, pull your feet up under the chair. Read it with me. Think of your sufferings as weaning from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. Ouch. Like Brother Hagen used to say, If you can't say amen, say oh me. It's right anyway. Think of your sufferings as weaning yourself from that old sinful habit of always expecting to get your own way. That's what suffering is. We want our way. We want to be able to do this. We want to be able to do that. This flesh is nasty. And it'll do anything you let it do. But the new man on the inside of you wants to do different than what this flesh wants to do. And especially since you've been baptized and you've confessed last week like we did, uh, everybody kind of renewed, lack of a better term, their vows to the Lord. Clean. Well, when that happens... What happens inside of you is your spirit man comes to life again. It's fresh. You can hear from him again. And he begins to tell you things you ought to do. And he begins to scratch on the inside of you and say, do this, don't do this, say this, don't say this. Because he's alive in you. And what we have to choose is which one we want to be more alive. Do we want the spirit man to be more alive or do we want the flesh man to be more alive? You have to choose. And the more you choose the ways of the spirit man on the inside of you, the stronger and stronger and bigger and bigger he'll get. And the easier and easier and easier it'll be to yield to him instead of the flesh man. But the more when the spirit man tells you to do something, you know, even like me this morning, for me just to get up here, 
All day yesterday, I was telling Keith, sweetheart, it, it has just not gotten any easier. It's, it's just not, you know, when are you coming back? <laughs> you know, I'm serious, you know. And he's like this morning, Phil, those people like you. <laughs> and, and I'm like, I know, sweetheart, and I, I couldn't do it if they didn't, you know. But still, if you'll do that, then your flesh nature will begin to die. And every time you do that, the man on the inside will just get... So Keith says, he sends me this thing this morning. Now, this is my conversation with my husband this morning. He's texting me because I'm running and getting ready and I can't talk on the phone. He says, you're not chicken. And he sends me a picture of a little chicken. (laughs) I ain't never been chicken in my life. And he knows that. I love him. So I sent him back, no, I'm not. And I sent him a muscle arm. I'm strong. (laughs) So... He's my biggest fan, biggest fan, biggest fan. So anyway, we don't feed our flesh. When you went through that last week, immediately, how many of you immediately, you begin to sense more the Lord was dealing with you, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. It just was clearer. You was closer to the Lord. You just felt that presence closer to you. And if you'll stay in that frame, it'll never change. Do you understand that? It will never grow more distant. You'll never get further from that. You'll actually get closer to it. Closer and closer. Easier and easier to hear. But the more you ignore it and push it down and push it away, the further and further and further and further and further and it'll get harder and harder to hear it. And we don't want that. We want to be able to hear from the Lord. I always want to be able to hear from the Lord. That's why I don't want to miss that. And that's why I I don't always watch everything I see on TV because I don't want anything that makes me go like this on the inside because I want to be able to keep my spirit open. You understand that? So let's continue going. Verse 2. Then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized. Tyrannized means ruled cruelly. Your flesh can rule you cruelly. Anybody ever been ruled cruelly by their flesh? That your flesh makes you get up in the nighttime and, and do things you don't want to do or, or go places you don't want to go or eat things you don't want to eat or say things you don't want to say. Open that mouth and insert that foot. You ever been tyrannized by your own flesh? Yes, you have. Everybody has. But we can start kicking that flesh out from underneath us. Then you'll be able to live out your days free to pursue what God wants instead of being tyrannized by what you want. Verse 3. You've already put in your time in that God-ignorant way of life. Partying night after night. A drunken, profligate life. Now it's time to be done with that for good. 
Say, I'm done with that for good. I'm done with that for good. Now, everybody say it. If you mean it. If you don't mean it, don't say it. I'm done with that for good. Okay, now verse 4. Of course, your old friends don't understand why you don't join in on the old gang anymore. But you don't have to give an account to them. They're the ones who'll be called on the carpet before God himself. Everybody in this room has flesh. Everybody in here has flesh. Thoughts come to everybody. Feelings come to everybody. Just because you got saved or just because you got baptized does not mean those thoughts and feelings are just going to stop coming. Doesn't mean that the devil's not going to try to put something in your head to make you want to do something or say something. But, but, when the other thought comes, don't do that. Don't do that. That's when you know you have the greater one inside of you to help you. Don't do that. And every time you don't do that, you get stronger. Don't kid yourself. There's not a person in the world that probably hasn't had the same exact thoughts you've had, the same exact feelings you've had, that had to overcome the exact same. It doesn't matter if it's lying. It doesn't matter if it's stealing. It doesn't matter if it's judging. It doesn't matter if it's affairs. It doesn't matter what it is. Every person has had to overcome something in those areas. So we don't judge Because if you judge, you open the door wide open for the devil to make you be tyrannized by your flesh and want those things. But then we also, the flip side of the coin, say, you know, someone is a baby and they just got baptized again. Maybe they have been going the wrong direction, but you saw them give their life back to the Lord again, or you saw them just rededicate, or you saw them, you know they're hungry for the Lord, and they just want to be baptized and get it going again for the Lord. Get stirred up again. And you know their weakness is apple pie. And you're their spouse or something. Don't cook them an apple pie every day. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you know their weakness is shopping, don't take them to the mall every day. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you know their weakness is gossip, don't take them around a bunch of people every day until they're able to get a handle. And when they're able to overcome things that are not their greatest weakness, then they'll begin to see that they're stronger in that area too. Be a helper to the people that are around you. Don't be a hindrance to the people that are around you. What do you want people to do for you? Say Rob has a weakness with, let's see what Rob has a weakness with. I'll try to think of something here. Uh, Chocolate pie. I don't know that he has a weakness with chocolate pie. But say he has a weakness with chocolate pie. It would not be wise for Carrie to cook a chocolate pie every day and just leave it sitting out on the counter. And he has to walk past that chocolate pie every time he goes in the kitchen. Do you understand that? 
Maybe your husband has a weakness with seeing girls in swimsuits. Don't go to the beach every weekend. I don't care if the beach is your favorite place in the whole wide world. You don't go. You can help people or you can hurt people. Help people to grow up and be strong. If you know your spouse has an issue with those kind of things, don't watch it on TV. If you know they have problems with, uh, let's see what else they could have problems with. Lying. Help them to tell the truth. Don't press them into situations to where they're going to lie to you. Help them to be, because when people have had a problem in an area, we can help them or we can hurt them. I want people helping me. I don't like people around me that are always putting me in situations. We've been around people, you know, that you get around them and all they want to do. When the, I know when the Lord started dealing with me about judging three or so years ago, I think everybody I got around talked about other people. I do. I think everybody that I got around wanted to talk about this minister or they wanted to talk about this employee or they wanted to talk about this friend or they wanted to talk... Everybody that I got around. And it takes everything you have in you not to join in with them. So what are you better off doing if you know that? Back yourself up. Get out of that situation. Stay out of anywhere around that then you don't have as big a problem with it until you get stronger on the inside and you know that you can overcome that. If you like to eat a a quart or a gallon of ice cream every day, leave it at the grocery store. If you like donuts, I know, okay? When I was overweight, I know why I was overweight. I wasn't confused about it. Okay, when you get up every morning and stop by in Tulsa, it was a get and go. You stop by there every day on your way to work and you get a big gulp and you get a pack of the little white powder donuts every day. Or you get one of those cherry, what are they, those long square ones? It's kind of like a cinnamon roll, but it's got cherry in it. Oh, yeah. Everybody's face is going, oh, yeah. (laughs) Kind of a, you know what I'm talking about. It's iced on the top, and it's about this long, you know, and yeah. Mm -hmm. And a big gulp every day. And you eat hostess and drink big gulps every day, all day. There's no confusion why you're fat. (laughs) Don't kid yourself. The smart thing to do would be to drive right past that get and go. Don't stop. Do not collect $200 or the Danish or the Coke. Take you a bottle of water from your house and go to work. Do you understand that? People try to kid themselves that they're stronger than they are. And they put themselves into situations when they know the devil is leading them down a path 
to fall. God doesn't want us to fall, and He's not the one leading us down that path all the while. All the while that's going on, your insides are going, don't go, don't go, don't go, don't stop, don't go, don't stop. But now can God make you not stop? He's doing everything He can possibly do. Telling you, now He could make you not stop, and that's not true. He can make you, and we'll get into that here in just a minute. But He wants us to be quick to listen and quick to obey. He wants us to choose to do what He says. He's not a God that makes us do stuff. It's the devil that makes you stop and get that sweet roll. That's right. <laughs> because he, he wants you in condemnation. He wants you rendered helpless to do anything for God or believe for anything. So if you know that, don't come to work if your co-worker uh, you know has a problem with sweet rolls and big gulps. Don't bring them one in tomorrow. <laughs> Even though you know it's going to bless them and you're trying to be nice to them, Bring them in something else that you know is not as bad for them. And maybe they'll begin to like that. We don't want to be ministers of the flesh. We want to be ministers of the Spirit. Can we do that? All right, let's keep going. Romans. You'll understand what I'm talking about here. 14.10. This is NIV. You then, why do you judge your brother? Because he ate that sweet roll. Or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It's written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will confess. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. We don't have to judge that your spouse went to the beach or that your wife did this or your husband did this or your co-worker did this. That's not our job. We got our hands full. I know I do. Listening, doing what God tells me to do, my hands are totally full. And if you get up all day long and you just do what God tells you to do, you don't have time to think about anybody else. Each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in your brother's way. Say this with me. I am going to help my brother. I will stop stop anything anything that hinders my brother. brother. Thank you, Father, Father. for showing me me things things before they happen happen. so that I can help them and not hinder them. them. Yes. Yes. Now we, now that we are doing what we know to live for the Lord, we have a supernatural protection that the world doesn't have. Now, the world wants that sweet rolling big gulp. And it doesn't have one thing in the whole wide world to keep it from getting it. But you do. 
You do. Look with me. First Peter. This is NIV chapter 1 verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's what happened with us. We were given new hope through the resurrection, being baptized and and cleansed. The old thing's gone away. A new life has risen in our lives. And verse 4, into an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. Verse 5, who through faith, say that with me, who through faith. So how are you going to be able to resist all these big gulps and pies and, and girls on the beach and... Huh? About a third of you got it. How are you going to be able to resist all that stuff? Through faith are shielded by God's power. Not our own strength, but through our faith, we can become shielded and a force field be around us by God's power. But through our faith, we have to believe it and we have to trust Him for it. We have to know that He's there to help us and He's undergirding us. And he's helping us. We don't have to. When that comes up inside you, you want to eat that whole pie. And something inside you says, you know better than that. You've been trying to lose some weight. You're shielded. That was the shield that came up inside you that said, you don't want to do that. Now you use your faith and say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And turn your back on it and walk away. That's the power inside of you that the world doesn't have. There's a difference between the two of us. Look at this. 1 Corinthians. Anybody remember the story of Peter? When he denied the Lord. Anybody in here remember that? I think most everybody remembers that. Why did Peter fall? I'm hearing everything under the sun, but yeah. He thought he could do it on his own. He thought, I got this. I got this. This is easy. I love God so much, I'll never do anything to hurt him. I love Jesus so much. I mean, I'll never do anything to turn my back on him. That's not happening. I love him so much. I will never hurt him. Jesus said, you will. If something inside of you is saying, if you stop, you're going to get something you shouldn't get. And you say, no, I'm going to stop and I'm going to get a water and uh some unsalted nuts. And the Lord says, no, you're not. You're going to get a big gulp and a sweet roll. Keep going. (laughs) Or, if a whole bunch of people say, I'm going to see this movie, and you know in your spirit you can't handle it because there's going to be certain things in it that you've been dealing with. And the Lord says, you don't need to go see that. And you say, you know what, I've been, I've been reading and I've been praying and I'm stronger now than what I was and, 
And the Lord says, you don't need to go see that. I can handle it. I got this. What's going to happen? You're going to leave there, and it's going to have been something in that movie that's going to cause you to be more open to something else in your life that you wouldn't have been as open to. Because what we don't realize is we live in a spirit world. And just because you can't see them, there are spirits everywhere. Just because you can't see them, and maybe you have a lust spirit. Not going to say you do, but maybe you have a spirit of lust. Okay? And you've been dealing with that. You've been keeping it under real good. But then you go to this movie. Okay? And this is what happens. You leave this movie, and you hadn't been having one ounce of trouble with it. But you come out of that movie, and we all want to go get something to eat. Don't kid yourself. Every girl that passes your table is going to have on some short shorts and a low-cut top, and they're going to bend over. That's going to be that spirit causing those things to happen that's going to pass right in front of you. Don't kid yourself. It's going to happen. And you're going to have to deal with it over and over and over and over again. Because you opened up yourself to that by being disobedient to what God told you to do. God's not causing it. You caused it by being disobedient to what he told you to do. Maybe you've made a decision. I'm not going to judge. 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 You keep saying everybody. I'm not judging. I don't want to put that in my daytimer. I'm not judging. I'm not putting that in my daytimer. But then you get around your family. And the Lord says, don't go see them today. Don't you dare. Don't go see your family today. You're not ready for them yet. Don't go see them today. And you go spend the whole afternoon with them. What happens all afternoon? Judging and judging. And did you hear about it? And did you see? And did you know what they... And did you? And did you? Then Monday morning, you're going to need to believe God for something. And where's your confidence going to be? Goose egg. Because you didn't do what you had in your heart. And it's not God that's keeping your answer from you. It's your confidence because you didn't do what you were supposed to do Sunday afternoon. God is trying his very best to get everything he can to us. But the devil is mean and conniving and sneaky and... mm, And he's trying his best to ruin your life. We have to stop giving him an inch. And if God says, don't do that, it's not to hurt you. It's to keep you from having to deal with something that's going to tyrannize you the rest of the week. Do you understand that? So look at this verse. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed. Why? Lest he fall. Verse 13, there has no temptation taken you, but that which is common to man. But God is faithful, 
and he will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Your way of escape is he's telling you, don't go, don't do this. Do you understand that? But don't be so haughty, as verse 12 says, to think you can handle it or you're going to fall. And I can't help but think about Peter every time I hear that verse. Because what did he do? He thought he was ready to handle it. And Peter's the one. How many of you here have a favorite Bible character? Favorite Bible characters. You know, Peter is mine. He's my favorite. Why? Because Peter messed up over and over and over and over and over again. But he probably loved Jesus more than, I don't know, maybe anybody. I'm going to show you some things. You'll see why. Let's see if I can find it here. You may identify even with Peter time I'm done. Peter did some things. Listen to some of the things he did. Peter lots of times acted before he thought. Because Peter was like, I think I may take after Peter some. P, Phyllis, P, P, Peter. Okay? Peter was a doer. He was Jesus' doer. In my mind's eye, that's what he was. He was Jesus' doer. Just like I'm Keith's doer. If Keith says, we're going to do this, yes, we are. Me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make sure it gets done. Yeah, we're going to take care of this this week. Yes, I am. Okay, we got it. Me and this one and this one. We got it done. That's the way it was with Jesus. We're going to have a Passover supper. Yep, Peter's on his way to start getting it done. So listen. He witnessed the transfiguration. What did he do? Immediately he thought of, like I do, doing. Okay, let's build you a let's build a tabernacle. Let's build a place for immediately. He says, let's do this. What is he doing? He is doing immediately. Then Peter's gonna try to walk on the water. What is he? He's doing. He saw Jesus out there on the water. And he says, Jesus, if that's you, bid me to come. So he gets out of the boat and he starts coming. And he falls in the water. And what does Jesus say? Oh, you of little faith. And every time I read that, I think, yeah, maybe he had little faith. But at least he had some faith. The rest of the guys stayed in the boat. I'd rather have a little faith than none at all. But you know what I think about Peter? Every time I read that, I think, okay, just like I am Jesus' favorite, maybe Peter was Jesus' favorite. Because sometimes with people, you're just like, there ain't no use in telling them nothing. They're going to do what they want to do. No need in telling them to believe God. No need. In... It's useless. But then there's other people that you know. They love God with all their heart. They'll give up anything. They'll do anything. And you'll look at them and say, your faith ought to be further than that by now. You ought to be better than that by now. Come on, stir up your faith. Because you love them. And you know they should be further than that by now. If I went to Rob and I said, Rob, you should be believing for that by now. 
Would that be because I was mad at Rob? Absolutely not. It would be because I loved Rob. And I, and I know, Rob, stir up your faith. You got this, man. But somebody else, I might not even say anything to him. I think that's what Jesus was doing. Because he loved Peter. If he didn't love Peter, you'll see it in just a minute. Everywhere he went, the first name he called out of his mouth, Peter, James, and John. The reason Peter got in trouble so much and you hear so much about it was because he was right in the middle of everything. (laughs) Do you understand that? It didn't matter how many times he got in trouble. He didn't get his feelings hurt. He didn't back off. He didn't say, whoa, is me. He just said, okay, got it, Lord. Let's go. Do you understand that? When he got in trouble for walking on the water, he didn't go home and tuck his tail between his legs and stay in his bed for a week. Oh, he told me I had little faith. What's the use in me going on? No. No. He took it and kept on going. So let's see. Here's some more things that he did. The Last Supper, when Jesus was ready to wash everybody's feet, what did Peter do? No, Lord, you ain't washing my feet. No way, no how. Jesus had to stand there and say, now look, Peter, we have to do this. This needs to be done so people understand that you're supposed to serve and you're supposed to do these things. Then he let him wash his feet. But he, in his own heart, I think his heart was right. He was honoring the Lord with that. But it was a little bit of rebellion in there too. Okay? That's why I say he's a little bit like me, (laughs) or I'm a little bit like him. Then, the night they were fishing, he'd been fishing all night long, and the Lord told him, drop his net. Okay, Lord, if we have to, we've been out here, what did he say? We've been toiling all night long, Lord, but if you say so, my employees tell me all the time, okay, if you say so. They don't mean it that way, but that's how it comes out. <laughs> I mean, it, it just that way. Just that way. This is Peter now. Then this one. This is Peter taking action. They've come to get Jesus. Judas kisses him. What does Peter do? Draws his sword. He's going to do something. He's going to fix it for him. He chops the high servant priest's ear off. Jesus has to fix it for Peter again. Did this make Peter run away from the Lord? Did it make the Lord not love Peter? Absolutely not. Everywhere he went, Peter was right by his side. He knew Peter loved him. Peter messed up over and 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 over again. And he kept on messing up. But listen to this. You all know the rest of it about how... Think about this, though. Where were all the other disciples when they went and Peter had denied that he knew the Lord? At least Peter hung around to see what was happening to Jesus. He denied him, but he was up close. He was right there in the middle of it. And also, whose taxes did Jesus pay? 
Now you're getting somewhere. Go fishing for us, Peter. And there's going to be a fish out there and we're going to pay our taxes. Whose house did Jesus go to? Peter's. Whose mother-in-law did Jesus heal? Peter messed up so much. He messed up so many times. But he was right in the middle of the action. He was right there in Jesus' face all the time. And when you're right there in somebody's face all the time, you may make a mistake. But the deal is how you make the mistake and what you do after you make the mistake. Do you run and tuck tail and hide? Or do you say, nope, I got this. Okay, yeah, I messed up on that. I repent. Lord, I'll get it right the next time. When he told him, get behind me, Satan. Did Peter say, I ain't never serving that man again. He called me the devil. (laughs) What if I went to Dan and said, Dan, get behind me, devil. He might not show up for work tomorrow. She called me the devil. No. Peter never did anything like that. He kept his heart right all the time. All the time. You may miss it over and over. He may say, Phyllis, you missed it. That does not make me want to pull away from the Lord. And he may tell you, you missed it. You messed up. That shouldn't make you want to pull away from the Lord. It should make you want to draw closer to him. The closest one to him was Peter. And he told him over and over again how much he messed up. But listen to what happened good for Peter. Peter... It says it over and over again this way. Peter, John, and James. Peter, James, and John. Go read your Bible. Got to see Jesus raise that little girl from the dead. He left everybody else out and called them in. And it wasn't long after Peter had just messed up. So what you know is Peter didn't get offended. He didn't get his feelings hurt. He didn't get upset. He took the correction and went on with a smile on his face and said, I'm with Jesus. If I messed up, I messed up. Let's keep going. Next. When Jesus sent the apostles out in teams of two to go out and minister and heal the sick and and, uh, cast out devils and all that stuff, Peter didn't go. John didn't go. You know where they went? To get the Passover supper ready. Everybody else went out to do other things. But Jesus must have trusted Peter and John. Peter and John, it says, went to get the Passover supper ready. Go and you're going to see a man with a donkey and you're going to see this and you're going to do this and you're going to... He trusted that they were going to do exactly what he told them to do. Even though they'd missed it before and even though he'd corrected them before, You don't keep correcting somebody you don't love and you don't care about and you don't know has potential. Elsewise, you just quit wasting time on them. You're like, they ain't never going to make it no way. I ain't wasting my time on them. But Jesus didn't. Let's see. Okay, they ran to the tomb. John outran Peter. 
But guess who went in the tomb first? Peter. Peter did. Then, when he comes back, who does he talk to about ministering for him and asking him about feeding his sheep? Do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Feed my lambs. Three times. And he appeared to him first. Now, if he was mad at Peter, because Peter had messed up so many times, would he have done that? No. It does not matter how many... Go back through. Read Peter. If you want to understand who Jesus is, read Peter. He was there. Understand about the Lord. Understand about the way he thinks about things. He even says, this is true grace. Read Peter. Read First and Second Peter. He was in Jesus' face. Okay, I think about when I read it, I think about Brother Hagin. I think about there's a lot of people out there that say they knew what Brother Hagin thought about stuff and what Miss Aretha thought about stuff and the way that they did things. You know what? I lived in their face night and day for years. For years. And some of the things people say, I just shake my head and say, Brother Hagin never even thought that, much less said it. When you know somebody and you know their ways and you know the way that they think, you don't have to wonder anymore, did they say that? So when you look up the things about Peter, you're going to get a real good glimpse of the way Jesus thought about things because he was in his face all the time. He was there with him. Then, I like this one. Then we'll go back to the other real quickly. Do you remember when he fed the multitudes? He asked Philip about, do we have anything to feed them? And Philip said, no, Lord, there's a bunch of people here. Phyllis translation. But what did Peter say? Lord, there's a little boy here that's got a sack lunch. Can you do anything with that? He didn't want negatives. He wanted. And that's what he was wanting out of Peter when he asked him about walking on the water. It wasn't the negative that he wanted. He wanted the positive. And he had, Peter had been around him long enough, even though it looked like he couldn't do it, even though things looked bad, he wanted Peter's words working. He didn't want his eyes off of him. That's the way, when you've got employees and stuff, maybe they do make a mistake, but you don't want them thinking the wrong things. You don't want them going the wrong direction. It's different if they make a mistake But you know when they know better. It's like, get your faith out there. You can do this. I remember one time, Rob will remember, he'll laugh. I I think you were with us, Dan. We were coming in here when we were working on the building. And we were flying in the air. And we'd been going night and day, night and day, night and day, night and day, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And um, we started going through a thunderstorm. 
and the weather got real bad. Were you in the plane that night? And we started getting real rough. And I was asleep. And I wake up, and it's rough. And they're both just sitting there looking at me. And I'm like, why don't y'all talk to this thing? I wasn't mad at them. But I was thinking by now, you guys know that you can talk to this as well as I know. I had to wake up to talk to that storm. We talked to it. We told it to settle down. The plane settled down. We went on. And they kicked themselves and said, man, we should have done that. It wasn't a bad thing. Do you understand that? That's the way the Lord is with all of us. He's not mad at us when he's telling us these things. He's not correcting us in a bad way. He's like, stir that self up. Get that self going. You can do this. The biggest thing you got to do is not get mad and not pull away and not turn from him. You understand that? He loves us. He's trying to bring us up to another level every time he does that. Okay, let's get back. Time is getting away. Keith's going to really, really enjoy coming back and picking on me. The Message Bible says this. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. Don't be so naive and self-confident. You're not exempt. You could fall flat on your face as easily as anyone else. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. No test or temptation that comes your way is beyond the course of what others have had to face. All you need to remember is that God will never let you down. He'll never let you be pushed past your limit. He'll always be there to help you come through it. Always. I'm going to remind you of a few stories and prove it to you that God will never leave you in a situation that's too much for you to bear. Would you like to see that? All right. Turn with me, if you would, to Second Peter 2, verse 5, NIV. If he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on its ungodly people, but what? but protected Noah, a preacher of righteousness, and seven others. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made an example of them of what's going to happen to the ungodly, and if he, say that next word with me, rescued Lot, a righteous man, who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul for the lawless deeds that he saw and heard. Verse 9. Are you ready to shout? Five people are. Are you ready to shout? Okay. Listen carefully to this next verse. Mark it, circle it, put stars around it, put it on your mirror. Verse 9, if this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials. Do you understand that? 
if he can jerk Lot out of Sodom and Gomorrah and leave everybody else there to die, if he can pull Noah out and everybody else in the whole wide world dies, he can pull your little self out of a situation that you're in. Do you understand that? I didn't make that up. That's in the B-I-B-L-E. Second Peter 2. Peter's talking again. Can you believe what Peter says? Do you think he knows the Lord? Yeah. Amplified. Verse 9. Now if all these things are true, then be sure. The Lord knows how to rescue the godly out of temptations and trials and how to keep the ungodly under chastisement until the day of judgment and doom. How does he rescue out of those, you out of those tests and trials? We talked about it earlier. Don't go by the get and go. Don't go to the beach. Don't turn that TV program on. He's going to rescue you out of those tests and trials. Do you understand that? Don't stop there. Don't do this. Don't go to your parents' house. Don't go to your in-laws' house. He's rescuing you. Do you understand that? He's telling you don't do this. He told Lot, get out of there. He told Noah, build an ark. What if they wouldn't have done those two things? No matter how bad he wanted to rescue them, what would have happened to them? Drowned, burn. No matter how bad he wanted to rescue them, if they wouldn't have done what he told them to do, he couldn't have helped them. He's the same today. Okay, let's keep going. I get confused, though, about people that... Instead of taking responsibility on their self because they don't get through something or a test or a trial or something like that, they blame God and get mad at Him and run away from God. We've got to stop that. And we've got to learn to realize we have to stand through the test and trials. We have to come through them and out on the other side. Amen. Listen to these verses. Wherefore, Ephesians 6, 13, Take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, stand. And it's going to come a point in time where the devil's not going to come to you and say, go to the beach. Or you can't go to your parents' house. Why? Because you're going to have been built up. But until then, you stand on that situation. And you resist going to those places. I can stop at a get-and-go today. I can go in there. I can walk right past the fountain drinks. I can walk right past the sweet rolls. I can stand right in there. Matter of fact, I can have sweets in my house. I can have pies sitting on the counter. I can have fresh baked cookies and candies. Tom and Amy can tell you we have dinners all the time here. They serve desserts. They serve this. Do I eat all the stuff that's brought out to me? Never most of the time. Sometimes I'll taste it to see if it's the way we want it to be. But I don't have a problem with that anymore. I don't have that problem anymore. I don't have that problem anymore. 
you can get past those problems. And they don't tyrannize you or torment you anymore. If you resist something and you turn your back on it, you won't have the problems with it that you used to have. You can get far enough from it to where it doesn't torment you the way that it used to. But you have to build some distance from it. And you have to give some time from it. I don't care what people eat anymore. I don't care if if Keith and Dave and Dan can eat a whole freezer of ice cream. I don't care. You see how skinny he is? It's not a big deal to him. But I don't eat it. I'm not tormented by it anymore. You cannot be tormented by it anymore. Let's keep going for just a minute. We're almost done. We need to understand this one thing this morning, along with all the others, but we're going to finalize a couple of things with this. Why do we even need to learn to fight the good fight of faith? If Jesus did it for us, isn't it all done? Why do we even need to learn how to resist and how to fight and how to stand and how to overcome? If Jesus already overcame it, I see all the puzzled looks on your faces. I'm about to tell you. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 Peter chapter 1. Here we go in Peter again. Told you. I just love Peter. I don't think he's concerned. <laughs> Verse 6, 1 Peter 1, 6. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for... What? This is the NIV. Though now for... A little while. A little while means what? A little while. You remember Jesse said... Uh, Paul told him people have taken that out of context and they've made it seem like it was forever, that light momentary affliction. It was light and it was momentary. It didn't go on my whole life. It was light and it was momentary. This says for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Listen to this, verse 7. These have come so that your faith, say my faith, faith. of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though it's refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you haven't seen him, you love him. And even though you don't see him now, you believe in him. And you're filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you're receiving the goal of your faith. The salvation of your souls. See, you didn't even get excited about that because you didn't understand it. Because if you'd have understood it, you'd have had to shout. Let's read it from the Message Bible. Verse 7. Pure gold put into the fire, comes out of it 
proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of this victory. Listen, 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 listen. You still, it's, it's here. You never saw him, yet you love him. You don't see him, yet you trust him with laughter and singing. Let me explain. Trials of our faith have come. Your trials have come, your trials have come, your trials have come. They come so that our faith is tried like pure gold. So that we can come through it, and even though we don't see Jesus, we know He's going to bring us through it. What happens is, people don't stand on their faith, and they don't trust God because they don't see Him. And they don't believe faith works. The Lord is wanting to prove our faith that it's real. That we have faith. That we believe in Him. This is to prove that we have a genuineness. If a test or trial comes in your life and you need money, see how easy the devil is. See how easy he does this. It's so easy for him. And you need money. And you're believing him for $5,000 for this month. And you have to have it. And you go to God. And you say, God, I have to have $5,000 and I need it to pay this bill and I trust you and I'm believing you and and all these things. And it doesn't happen. Do you still love him? Do you still trust him? Do you still believe in him? It's your faith that's being tried like gold. Not God's faith. And when you come to the conclusion that you love God and you trust God and you believe in God more than you believe in you didn't get that money and why you didn't get that money. I don't care that I didn't get that money. I love God and I trust God and I'm healed and I'm delivered and I'm set free. It's going to happen. I don't care. Then it's going to happen. But what happens is people get in these tests and trials. How many people do you know that say they believe God for healing and it didn't happen and they got mad at God? What happened there? Their faith got tried and what happened? They didn't come out of the furnace too good. Our faith gets tried and God wants to know how we're going to come out on the other side. He doesn't care if you get your healing. He doesn't care. He does care because he loves you, but that's not the point of it. He wants to know that you're going to stand in faith and believe him and love him and hold on to him and be his child. You know what? My husband, it'd be the same thing with him. What if he couldn't provide for me? What if he couldn't, what if when we got married, he said, Phil, I'm going to give you this and I'm going to give you that and we're going to have this and we're going to have that. 
And things happened. And we didn't get that. And I just left because I said, he didn't give me what he said he was going to give me. Would that mean I loved him or I loved those things more than him? Do you understand? People are searching out for things and the things are meaning more to them than God is. We have to make a decision. We're going to love God no matter what. And when you make that decision, you're going to find that your faith starts working like popcorn. But you have to make the decision. It doesn't matter how you come out on the other side. You're going to stay with God no matter what. You're going to stand till the end of time. The devil's not going to win. You're never going to get mad at God. You're never going to get bitter at God. You're going to come out on the other side, whether you have your healing, whether you have your money, whether you have your marriage, whether you have this, you're going to believe God. Do you understand? Because if all it takes is you not getting your money, you turning away from God, guess what? The devil's going to make sure you don't get your money. Because he is the God of this world. If all it takes is one time you not getting your money, you turn from God, what is the devil going to make sure of? Do you understand that? Now read this verse and see if it makes any better sense to you. I'll just read it real quickly from the message. Pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. When Jesus wraps all this up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. You never saw him, yet you loved him. You don't see him, yet you trust him with laughter and singing. Because you kept believing you'll get what you're looking for. Total salvation. That's why... This verse here is in the Bible. You'll understand this verse a lot more. James 1, verse 2. Count it all joy. I've got it in the NIV, but consider it pure joy. My brothers, when you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work that you may be mature. That means we're not mature yet. That we may be mature, it means we're not mature yet. And complete, what's the last part? Not lacking anything. You're going to get the end of your faith. You're going to get what you're believing for. But it shouldn't be that that's the most important thing to us. It should be that we love God even if we never got another thing from Him. Do you understand that? Stand on your feet. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness this morning. Thank you for helping us this morning, Lord. You are so, so, so good to us. You're the most amazing God. You love us in spite of ourselves, Father. What a wonderful God you are. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Master. 
This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.